stewards of freedom, GOP gun control, and free speech. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accents, but you stay for the principles. And we have a lot of principles to discuss today. We're going to take a deep dive into history, and we're going to share some issues of the day. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about rights and where rights come from. And I want to share a conversation with you I had through social media. One of the things I try and do in my free time is, you know, I make myself available to everyone because I, I see you all as my friends, as my family. And, you know, when people interact with me on the show and, you know, on Twitter, they send me DMs at Freedom Disciple or some of y'all follow me on Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 and you, you know, say, hey, I agree with you on this or I disagree with you or, you know, you're a bit vague here. Can you fill in the blank? And one of the things I do is I, I break down the issues because Honestly, when I say this, is my aim is not to get you to think the way I do. I'm not here trying to convert you. I'm here trying to get you to, to share the news of the day from a principal point of view, but also to share your history, to get you to look into where you find and where you stand on the issues. I'm going to come across a lot of people, and I already do, where people don't see America the way I do or don't have the passion I have for America. That's cool. We all have our own passions. That's the great thing about being a free person, about being an individual, not collective. You know, you can't, everyone having the same passions would be rather boring. Like I would say this for myself, if you had the world full of me, my God, what a horrible world that would be. But, you know, I don't want everyone to have the same passions as I do. You know, the world would be really boring if everyone was right, just like I am. You know, like if everyone loved the New York Yankees, why would there be a need for a baseball every any of the other baseball teams? Because everyone loves the Yankees. No one's going to go watch the Orioles or the Blue Jays or the Texans or or the the Boston Red Sox. Boo! You gotta, you know, everyone has to have their own passions. That's the way. It, that's what makes us all great. It makes us individual. We love what we love, but we have to have a conversation about rights. Because I had a conversation with someone on, on Twitter the other day, and they said, you know, listen, I've been, I've been listening to your show for, you know, a while now, and I've been following stuff, and I agree with some stuff, and I disagree with others, but for the natural progression of what you talk about for freedoms, doesn't it always lead to anarchy? And is anarchy what your end goal is? And there was a load of questions in this, but I'm trying to sum up a, a long conversation with you, but the other thing was... Do you think it will work? So let's break this down step by step by step. If you follow what I talk about, and I am a believer in freedom, and there's a difference in freedom and liberty, I'm a believer in both, but I also believe in freedom of the individual. If you strip away everything I talk about, will it automatically lead to anarchy? No. 
And the reason I say no is because you have to understand the foundations of American history and why your government is different to other nations. Let me give you a typical example. The the lady who made this case to me would be making a right case, in my opinion, if it was if I was talking about Ireland, if I was talking about England, if I was talking about any other nation in the history of the world. Here's why. Ireland believes in government. England believes in the government, or used to be the king or the queen, the monarchy. If you start standing up and going, hey, government, you don't have that right, and you start stripping the rights away to say, hey, government, you can't tell us how to act. You know, government, we don't like you taxing us so much. Hey, government, we don't like you telling us what jobs we can have. Hey, government, we don't like you regulating the air, the water, businesses, the toilets. And you start stripping them, and you're successful, and you start taking powers back to yourself. Eventually, when you have a democracy, or a theocracy, or a monarchy, if you strip all the powers away, then there's the potential for an anarchy, an anarchist system. Because you haven't got a system of government. You've just literally said, the government has all these powers, and it's been stripped away. Now the government has no powers, so sure, you can get to anarchy. Why is that not the case in America? Well, you got to take a deep dive into history and you got to read your Declaration of Independence because the way your founders set up government was fundamentally the opposite to the way every other nation set up their governments. You see, over in Ireland or in England or in Europe, or you pick whatever country you want today, today or past, government is the giver of rights. You take this like gay marriage. A couple of years ago, Ireland became a progressive nation because we allowed gay marriage and we are just so awesome. Government fundamentally believes that, you know, in Ireland, let me use Irish language, the Taoiseach, which is Irish for Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, had the right to go, you know what, gay people now fundamentally have that right. And because the Irish people have spoken through a referendum, we now are the giver of that right. Likewise, if in a couple of years, I don't see this happening, but let's say in, I don't know, 20 years, the tide on this, you know, has changed. And all of a sudden, Ireland said, you know what? We need to go back to being a Catholic nation. We need to go back to being the Catholic Church. We need to go back to old Ireland. And guess what? In old Ireland, under Catholicism, marriage is between one man and one woman. And it goes to the people and the referendum gets pulled. And it says, passed, with 50% of the people who vote, plus one say, yes, marriage is between one man and one woman, and that tells the government they can't do it. Guess what? That right has now been taken away, because your government can also take away your rights. America is fundamentally different, because your founders, if you read the Declaration of Independence, clearly say, the government is not the giver of rights. It is not the taker of rights, it is the protector of rights. Because each of us, each of us, whether regardless of where you are born, regardless of what color you are, regardless of what age you are, regardless of your social status, regardless of your credit score, regardless of your social score, you know, if we all live in China, regardless of whether we're liked by the mainstream media, whether you're an evil conservative or an awesome progressive doesn't matter. You have a certain amount of rights from your creator. Now, we can disagree on what those rights are. 
If you're a fan of this show, it's I think it's painfully obvious some of the rights I believe in. I hope it is. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment. I am a big supporter of your Bill of Rights. I hope that comes across. If it doesn't, I, I don't know what else I can do because it's, it's literally planted all over the show. If you disagree with some of them, if you're like, you know what, I'm not a big fan of the Tenth Amendment. Okay, I disagree with you, but that's cool. You're not my enemy. But that is the idea of government. It's government's job to protect those rights. Why is this important? Because if you believe in anarchy or you have an anarchist system, let me give you an example. And I don't like using, let's just use me as an example. I'm six foot one, 300 pounds. I choose not to fight, but a lot of people confuse my my kindness, my lovingness. Ah, John, you're so nice and you want everyone to like you. You know, you can't fight. Everyone makes that mistake. If I want to knock someone out, chances are I'll knock someone out. If I believe in an anarchist system, what's to stop me doing that? It is survival of the fittest. If I just want to go around punching people, now eventually, you know, laws of nature will catch up with me or prob- laws of probability, whatever, which one you want to follow that says, you know what? Everyone has their Napoleon. If I go around knocking people out, eventually someone is going to knock me out or the people who I knocked out are going to come together and knock me out. Just the way it happens, the way life goes. What's to stop that? When you have a system of government that is to protect your rights, you say, you know what, I believe in freedom, but you cannot infringe on other people's rights. Therefore, I can't get down the street going, hey, I don't know you, I don't know where you come from, I don't know anything about you, but I just don't like the way you look. Bang! What is to stop that under an anarchist system? Nothing. What is to stop that under democracy? If you have the rule of law and the government has come together and said, yeah, you can't do that, then you have that protection. But again, when you live under a democracy, you live under the system that says if 50% of the voting public plus one says something, that is automatically pretty much the rule of law. Obviously, politicians can get involved, i.e. case in point Brexit of what's going on. The people voted to leave, but the politicians are, wow, they're screwing this up. They're like, ah, can we leave? Should we leave? Can we leave on this deal? Can we leave on that deal? Politicians can screw it up because they have to sign legislation and create laws. But as a general rule, when you live in a democracy, if 50% plus one person says you can now do something or you can't do something, chances are it'll become legal. It's why, you know, the one lesson we need to learn from Adolf Hitler. Hitler was a really bad guy. No defense for him. Of, of all, of Mint Rushmore of bad people, Hitler's right there. If he's not on it, he's on the short list to come number four head on, on Mount Rushmore of really bad people. But we have to understand that the problems and the flaws with democracy and that type of rule is that everything Hitler did was legal because there was no checks on government. This is why we have to understand you cannot have an anarchist system in America if you follow the founding fathers, if you follow the founding documents of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. But likewise, we also need to have a conversation about our rights, quote-unquote. Because everyone uses their right. They say, I have this right. I say this. I have a right to free speech. I have a right, you know, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. Everyone talks about their rights today. Their rights. 
My friends on the right in the conservative and freedom-loving group, why don't we say they have a right to bear arms, which shall not be infringed. I'm going to talk about guns later on in the show. That's why I'm using this one. My friends on the left will talk about their right to contraception, their right to choose. We have to actually have a conversation about your rights because they're not really yours. Because if you, if let's just take the right to bear arms, all right, let's just use this as an example. You have a right to bear arms. It's not your right per se. It is a right that you are protected of, that you are a beneficiary of, but it's not yours. Because if the right is fundamentally yours, guess what? You can go, you know what? Guess what? I don't want the right to bear arms. I don't like guns. Guns frighten the shit out of me. I'm not having it. Yeah, I trade that one in. If you just give me 10,000 more police in my area, I don't want a right to bear arms. Or let me, maybe that wouldn't really happen with my freedom-loving friends. Let me give you another example that was in recent history. And full disclosure, I used this excuse in about 2002 as well a couple of times. So I'm, I'm not above the been wrong on issues. Well, I, I get your right to privacy, but if you've got nothing to hide, what are you worried about? If that's your fundamental right to privacy, and you're like, you know what, I'm willing to give my right to privacy in, I'm willing to trade that right in, if it means no more terrorist attacks. Can you do that? If you understand the vision of your founders, no, you can't. Why? Because, first of all, it is government's job to protect rights for everyone. These are not your rights. Your rights are not some bargaining chip which is one of my biggest frustrations with both parties in American politics and around the world, where my rights to freedom or my rights to act a certain way all of a sudden become a bargaining chip, where, well, you know, we'll give John some of John's rights away if you just give us something else, if you just compromise. My rights are, I am a beneficiary of those rights. I am a steward of those rights. Because here's the thing. The idea of America is built on certain principles, but one of the principles it is built on is the family unit. So let's take me as as a man. I I am a man. I identify as a man. I have a between my legs that proves that I don't have two things on my chest. Well, I kind of do, but that's a different story. I identify as a man. I am clearly a man. I have a penis. (gasps) I spoiler alert. I didn't mean to ruin that for you. Okay? Let's say... I give up my rights. I don't like guns. I don't want guns. I trade in my right to bear arms. Well, what happens if I ever have kids? What about their rights? You see, the understanding and the foundational principles your nation was founded on was everyone has these rights. Whether you live in 1776, whether you live in 2019, whether you live in 2500, they are from your creator. They are for everyone. We need to start having these conversations about where our rights come from again. But also understand that it is our job, our duty, our mission in life to protect these rights. Because even if we don't like them, even if we're like, yeah, I, I don't use that right. You know, I don't, I won't have a gun in my house. I don't want guns in my house. I don't like them. Okay, I think, I think you're wrong, but that's your choice. Freedom's a great thing. You don't have to see the world the way I do. You choose that. But you should still defend the right to bear arms because while you decide right now in 2019 you may not have a gun or you may don't like guns, you don't know what world you're going to live in in 2020, 2024, 2030, 2040. You may change your mind. But also, your kids may change your mind or your grandkids may feel differently or your great-grandkids. Wouldn't you like them to have the option of freedom? 
That's what we're facing right now. And this is where I know I frustrate a lot of you. Trust me, I get the messages I respond to you, where you're like, I I don't like when you're negative against Trump or the Republicans or you're helping the Democrats. I'm not here to help people politically. I am here to make the case for principles in the hope that it influences your politics, where that you all of a sudden understand why America is exceptional again. Of all of the cases, why you believe in limited government again, and you start promoting these principles and you start living these principles. I am not the enemy. But I am a steward of these rights. Because what I want to talk to you today, the rest of the show, I want to talk to you about the Second Amendment. In default, by default, because of the stories I'm going to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about the Fourth and the Fifth Amendment. And then I want to talk to you about the First Amendment. Because around the world, all of these principles are under attack. And if you make things about politics, guess what? Sometimes your party will be the tyrannous party. And if we're silent when it's our party, quote-unquote, or our side, quote-unquote, guess what? They're still advancing the ball of tyranny. We need to start advancing the ball of freedom, advancing the ball of individual rights for everyone. Because here's the thing, the rights I talk about, they're not just for Americans, Your founders didn't write, well, all Americans are created equal and all Americans shall have these God-given rights. That's why I talk about the idea of America and exporting it around the world. It's not the it's not an American thing. It's a it's a Christian thing. It's a world point of view of freedom. It's apt for everyone. We need to start sharing these visions again. Because right now, freedom is not popular in either party. I know people don't like when I say this, but it's true. And I will prove it next. If you enjoyed this show, please consider sharing it with your family, your friends. A new show is released every Saturday morning. If you were on all major platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, OmniFM, you search Freedom's Disciple on any of those platforms, you'll find us. If you happen to listen, please subscribe on any of those. But also, if you happen to listen on a service like iTunes, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It helps our algorithm or helps the iTunes algorithm, per se, and it gets us found out and it gets new listeners into the show. And if you leave a review, I really appreciate it. It helps as well. I want to talk to you about the Second Amendment because it's easy to look around and go, oh, it's the left, the left, the left, the left, John, the left, AOC, AOC is a nightmare, John, oh my God, got it, got it, I'm on the same page as you, last week we spoke about socialism, not a good thing, there is no way socialism can be construed as a good thing, but this show is not about politics, about left or right, it's about principles, it's about founding principles. And we will stand with the founding principles, regardless of who it pits us against. I don't see anyone as my enemy. I'm sick and tired of this binary choice of, well, are you with me or against me? No, I'm with principles. I will be. Do you know what my job is? I was talking to someone the other day about this. Imagine a beach, the ocean, and the tide goes in and out. I'm a stake in that stand. 
Sometimes the tide goes in and sometimes the tide goes out. But that stake stays in the exact same place. That is my job. I will be that stake for your founding principles, for the ideals of freedom. Not because of the Republican Party, not because of the Democratic Party, not because of the Libertarian Party, not because of the Constitutionalist Party. That is not my job. My job is to be loyal to principles. And I will call out anyone who goes against them. There's a discussion going on right now in the United States Senate, which should frighten everyone. Everyone, if you believe in guns. Because right now, the Second Amendment is under attack. It's been under attack for, what, 10, 12, 14 years now? Every time there is a mass shooting, the panic kicks in, and the media go overdrive, and conservatives start responding in facts. But what happens when it's conservatives who are discussing, or quote-unquote the Republican Party, who are discussing, you know, gun control measures? Because that's what's happening right now in the Republican-controlled United States Senate. And its figurehead is Lindsey Graham. What are those laws? Well, they're called red flag laws. What are they? Basically, let me give you a scenario. I know you. And we're friends. And then all of a sudden, I get worried about you. Now, I'll give you the two versions, the really, really innocent version and the really bad version. Here's the innocent version. We're friends, and I'm very concerned about you. You've said a few things to me. You know, things aren't going well in your job. You know, you've been a bit upset. You know, you, you went down to the local unemployment office, and you were told you couldn't get benefits for some reason for a month. And you're like, how am I ever going to put food on the table? This, You know, I've worked my whole life. This damn government won't help me. I, what am I going to do? And you make some comments that are really concerning to me. Well, with reg flag laws, I can phone up the police and go, Hey, my buddy so-and-so has made these comments. I'm really worried about him. I think he might do something to himself or to someone else. They can then look and see if they have guns. And if you have guns, they'll knock on your door at 5 a.m. and go, Hey, guess what? We're taking your guns. And you can come to court in up to 21 days And make your case. But we're taking the guns right now. That's the innocent version. That's the version they'll all do. Or, you know, they'll make it some case of, well, because I see the the Parkland shooting has been used as an example. Even Lindsey Graham used that. Well, there was, you know, there was signs that guy wasn't quite right. You know, maybe if we had just taken his guns. That's complete bogus. That's complete hoey. There were plenty of things could have been done. Let's now get me give you the bad version, the really frightening version. Oh, I don't know. Let's say about politics. We're friends and we don't discuss politics. We never discuss it. And then all of a sudden, one Saturday, you tune into my show. That's This is on the provision I'm an American and I own guns, which if I was an American, you can bet your top dollar I would own guns. I would own a lot of them. And then I say something that, you know, I talk about Donald Trump, you know. Hey, Donald Trump shouldn't do tariffs. Hey, Donald Trump shouldn't, you know, use Twitter. And you're like, oh my God, I'm outraged. How can John say that? Oh my God, can't happen. I don't like him anymore. I'm not listening. And instead of just going, you know, unsubscribe on all the platforms and, you know, writing me a bad review or whatever people do in today's world because, you know, we have to share our bad opinions. You can phone the police. I mean, go, hey, you know, I'm a bit worried about John. You know, his man, he's saying a few things I don't like. They can come and knock on my door at 5 a.m. and take my guns, and then I have to go to court and say if I'm innocent, make the case. 
Why should this frighten you? Well, it should frighten you because it's unconstitutional. Why is it unconstitutional? It's unconstitutional on two grounds that we need to discuss. First off, it's unconstitutional because how many times do I have to say this to my friends on all sides of the aisle? Shall not be infringed. This is rather simple language. You know, it's not like the general welfare clause. You know, my friends on the left love love the general welfare clause because anything they want, anything... Like if I, I, you know, they'll they'll come out with like, I don't know, some crazy idea for like these new benefits. And I'll be going, you can't have that. It's unconstitutional. Well, what, what do you mean it's unconstitutional? Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution says the federal government can't, can only do these things. Everything else is left up for the states. And my answer, it's become popular and it's really annoying because you have to actually have an in-depth conversation, which is, is hard to do with some of my liberal friends. They're great people. But when it comes to politics, eh, not so much. Well, John, the general welfare. This look, I'm only after. I'm only looking and curious about the general welfare of the nation. We need these benefits, and you're like, oh my god, the general welfare clause. Not getting off topic. It's very vague. Uh, now, if you read the founders, it isn't very vague. It's very clear what they meant. However, today, you know, general welfare. You know, well, what are you telling me? You know, unemployment benefits for ten years is, isn't a part of the general welfare. You know, illegal immigration, you're telling me, you know, giving those dreamers their dream is not part of general welfare? Hey, paid parental leave is not part of general welfare? We're just looking after the general welfare of the state, which means everything. That's very vague. It's it's hard to answer. It, it takes time to answer on the constitutional basis. When it comes to guns in the Second Amendment, it's rather easy. Shall not be infringed. They didn't say you can only infringe a tiny, tiny little bit, you know, a little bit. No, they didn't. They said shall not be infringed, period, full stop, adios, thanks for playing. Not now, not ever. Why? Because you have a fundamental right to freedom. You have a fundamental right to protect yourself. I'll come back to the constitutional argument on this in one second. But I want to take you to another country that's going through problems. Because we need to actually have conversations about what is happening and be realistic. Not about opportunities to to advance government or opportunities to control people or opportunities for politicians to gain more power into our lives. Let me talk to you about Great Britain right now. Because Great Britain is going through a crisis right now. And I'm not talking Brexit. That's, That's just a whole different kettle of fish. That's just a nightmare. And we'll talk about that in the upcoming shows. But it's going through another crisis. That crisis is knife crime is through the roof. Through the roof. The, in 2018, there was 21,000 convictions or cautionings. That is the highest since 2009. In the year ending September 2018, there were 39,000 39,000, yes, I said three, and ha, 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 yeah, get over it. 39,000 knife or sharp object instances. That is the highest since March 2014. Now, let me give you some other stats which are not been reported. There was 285 knife deaths last year in England. That is the highest since 1946. But here's maybe the more troubling statistic, because you could sort of point to one area or say, you know, it's urban or suburban. You can't. There are 44 different police forces or areas in the United Kingdom. 
Knife crime is up in 42 of the 44 areas. Now, one of the situations, some of the proponents or some of the uh, solutions been put forward are incredible. Obviously, one of the things is stop and search. You all know it's stop and frisk. Stop and search. You know, if you're carrying a knife, it's a crime. If you're automatically, if you're carrying a knife, it's a crime. The other thing they're talking about now, which is which is hilariously funny, it's, you know, you think, uh, you know, people who want to confiscate every gun in America is crazy, you know, because you're like, there's 300 million guns. That's a lot of guns to confiscate. This one is even more ludicrous, because where do you stop? Someone wants to put a microchip into every knife that's in Britain. Can you imagine doing that? Just the logistics of it. Like, where do you stop? We can have an honest conversation about life. Is life precious? Absolutely. Should someone be targeted? No. We discussed that in the first segment. I do not have a right to enforce myself or my will on you, impose my will on you, or impose my dominance. Do I have a right to assault you? No. Do I have a right to kill you? No. Do I have a right to murder you? No. These are simple concepts for everyone to understand. But the sad thing about these conversations when it comes to guns in America, when it comes to knives in England right now, is we're not actually having conversations about what's important. It's not about, hey, let's actually take a step back and not let's not make the conversation an inanimate object like a knife or a gun. Let's have a real meaningful conversation. Why is this happening? What are the solutions to this to stop it? One of the solutions are the main solution in the United Kingdom. There's two, but they're all both linked into each other. One is more police, and two is more more uh, more judges to to punish the crime. There is no getting away, no cautions with knives. You know, it's you know tougher sentences. Why is the solution always government based? Why is it always government basis? Because here's the truth. Let's say all of a sudden, because England has no guns. Let's say someone came forward with a solution tomorrow goes, you know what, we need to ban all knives. I don't know how you're going to cut a steak, folks, but we need to ban all knives. They're bad. Look at knife crime. And let's say the British people, like they did with their guns, hand in all their knives. Every time you go to Ikea, you go, you know, you can't buy, you know, you want to buy some cutlery, you can buy, you know, you can buy a spoon, you can buy a teaspoon, a tablespoon, and a fork, but heaven forbid, you cannot buy a knife. Do you think crime is going to stop? Do you think that's going to stop? Or do you think people are going to find another way to do bad things? Let's go, let's just play along with the narrative that there is no knives, that the, the bad guys will even hand in their knives. If someone is intent on stabbing you, do you think not having a knife is going to stop them? Because guess what? They'll just move on to a fork. They'll start stabbing you with a fork. Oh, well, then, you know what we've got to do is we've got to remove forks. Okay, then what else am I going to do? Oh, well, I can't stab you anymore. Oh, look, there's a piece of concrete on the ground. I'm going to hit you in the head with it. This is not a gun problem. This is not a knife problem. This is not a fork problem. This is not a concrete problem. This is a human heart problem. And some of the most troubling stats coming from the United Kingdom is the amount of this crime which has been done or done on on those of under the age of 18. We have a heart problem in America. We have a heart problem in Ireland. We have a heart problem in the United Kingdom where we are dehumanizing everyone. Not every life is precious now. 
And I see this on all sides of the aisle. I know it's real funny to, to talk about abortion and say, well, the left, John, the left, the left, the left. Yeah, but what about my friends on the right? There was a funny meme which I got told, oh, it's only a joke. We're only messing. It was a picture of, you know, what would you do in this scenario? And it's Hillary Clinton hanging onto the edge of a building about to fall. What would you do? Would you help her? Or would you just let her go, ah? And the amount of my Republican and conservative friends who went, I just wouldn't help her. You know, it's Hillary Clinton. She deserves it. Wow. Yeah, and then you'll talk to me about being pro-life, huh? Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't judge that. Look at how we judge everyone in this intersectionality life that we have. We judge people on not on the content of their character, but on who they voted for. On, on what their race is, on what age they are, what class they are, how much money they have. Are they gay? Are they straight? Which is more noble? Which is the most noble person out there? We are not appreciating anyone in life. If we agree with you, yeah, we'll appreciate Yeah, we'll stand for your rights. Your life is meaning. Your life is precious. But if you dare disagree with me, uh, no, not so much. What, what do we need to do? How do we solve this? Because here's the other thing. In the history of the world, bad people will always do bad things and will always find a way to do bad things. The second solution from the United Kingdom is, well, we need more police. Great. I'm not, the, I'm not the, an expert on law and criminal and how you reduce crime. Maybe they do need more police. Maybe they do. But even if you have the best, best, best police for service, remember all those crimes? You remember when Westminster was under attack a couple of years ago? Like they were giving themselves credit at how quickly the police responded. I think it was like three or four minutes. If you have a knife, even if you have a fork, heck, even if you have a piece of concrete and the citizenry is totally subdued and doesn't have a weapon to fight you, guess what happens? Guess how much damage you can do in three and four minutes? You can kill or maim or hurt or break a lot of bones in three or four minutes. Yeah, then the police come and then it stopped. Do you have a fundamental right to self-defense? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. Because now I'm going to go right back to where I started this segment. Back to America. Do you have a fundamental right to protect yourself? Because these red flags laws said, yes you do, but under certain circumstances. If someone reports you, guess what? Your right to self-defense, gone. No proof, no evidence, no discussion, gone. Do you have a fundamental right to self-defense? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, do you then have a right to decide how you defend yourself? Do you have a fundamental right to go, hey, I like this gun? Because this is the thing which really frustrates me, and it frustrates me because I'm an Irish guy, and I know this. A gun all comes down to a bit of comfort. It's a comfort thing, and I don't know how to put this into words. I'm a prime example of it. I love the, the SIG gun, a handgun. I love it. I love all SIG guns. They're beautiful. They just feel comfortable. They feel right. When I have a SIG handgun, when I was in D.C. a couple of years ago, I, I was at a gun range, and I shot it. Loved it. I was damn on accurate. You can see the pictures on my social media. I don't miss. When I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago, I, I didn't shoot a SIG. 
I was I was good, but I wasn't up to my normal set. It just didn't feel right. One of the things that one of the the guns I was shooting, the handle was just not as long as I'd like. It was just a comfort thing. You know this. This is me just shooting in a range, just having fun, you know, just going bang and bang. And, you know, if I want to take a 10-second pause or a, ter- a minute pause, I can. And then just, like, realign and go bang. In that split second where you need to defend yourself, you need to be totally comfortable. But, you know, some people can't shoot handguns. It doesn't feel right. they much rather an AR or a rifle. Or some people prefer shotguns. That is the thing. You have a right to decide which gun you want to do. Now all that this uh, talk about semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, if you're in the middle at 3am in the morning where you're dazed and you're confused, you're not going to be Jack Bauer. That is why you need a semi-automatic weapon. You don't want to have to go click, 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 and then reload and reload and repump it. You want to have that situation where, guess what? I'm not going to wake up at 3 a.m. when there's an intruder and be all Jack Bauer or, or I don't know if that's an old reference. If you're a kid, you probably don't remember. It was a great TV show called 24. But, you know, think of, I don't know, some action hero. You're not going to jump up out of bed going, like, you're not James Bond. And I only need one bullet. You may need ten. Especially if you don't shoot your gun that often. That is why you have a right to bear arms. These red flag laws shall not be infringed, go against the Second Amendment. But they also go so much deeper. Because it is fundamentally changing your society. It's, ch- it's adding on to what is going on in your society right now. Because America is built on the premise of innocent until proven guilty. And when it comes down to a split hair decision... You will side with the person. The burden lies with the person to prove you are guilty, not with the person to prove that you are innocent. That is the society you are built on. Now with mob justice, with everything that's going on, you're built on a situation where you're guilty day one. And it's up to you to prove your innocence. That is what is happening with these red flag laws. You are guilty until proven innocent. If someone makes an accusation against you, and you, the police take it seriously, and they take your guns, you're without your gun for 21 days, at least. And then you have to go to a court and say, hey, I'm innocent, and here's why I am innocent. Not the other way around. This is clearly unconstitutional. And this is the Republican Party. And take this for what it will, because this is hearsay. This is not verified. Lindsey Graham said Donald Trump will sign this. Now, I'm taking that with a pinch of salt. I don't know whether he will or not, whether he won't. His history is a bit checkered on the Second Amendment. He did pass and did sign in the bump stock ban, which no one was outraged by. If Obama did the same thing, there would have been war. If you make this about politics and sides, when it's your side, everyone's silent. When it's the other side, everyone goes crazy. When you make this about principles, you have to be consistent You have to be a steward of freedom, a steward of principles. When it comes to the Second Amendment and in turn the Fourth and the Fifth Amendment, I will stand all day long and be your guardian, regardless of what side stands against those principles. Which side will you be on? talk to you about the first amendment for a few minutes to finish up today's show but before i do i want to say thank you 
it's something we don't do in society enough, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I want to thank Glenn and all the people at The Blaze for this show. Because they are incredible behind the scenes. And what you're seeing right now is, and it's going to amplify, especially as you go into 2020, is people are going to start getting targeted. You're going to see this through politics. You're going to see this through politicians. You're going to see this through think tanks. You are not allowed to say certain things in society. You are not allowed to have certain opinions. The blaze with this new merger with CRTV is the same to me. The blaze have, what, three and a half years ago? It's actually nearly four years. In July, it'll be four years I'm doing this show. I have never once been asked to say something. Never once have I been asked to say, hey, will you talk about this issue? Or, hey, will you talk about this? Or, hey, would you mind saying something about this issue? Or, you know, defending Glenn or defending someone? Never once. I've never been called out. I've just been left to my own devices. Because more voices, not less. It's up to you to make your show what it is. And I, when I signed on to this show, that was my only term and condition. You will never tell me what to say. If you do, I will leave. It is so rare to see that in today's world. It is so rare to not be prompted, hey, you got to talk about certain things. Or, hey, you know, maybe, you know, talk more politics, John. Or maybe, you know, you know, soften up on Donald Trump a bit. Or, hey, maybe soften up on the GOP a bit. None of that. It's up to you. And at the end of the day, the audience will decide whether they like you or not. They are the ultimate barometer, and that's you. I want to thank you to them for everything they do. And for the building the society, that are building the company structure that they are building. Where they are bringing all these voices in, and they're not controlling them. You know, it's funny, when you, when you look at life, when you, when you start doing things and when you start doing certain projects, we are all... You know, we always see, you know, we always have this end goal in mind, this, you know, dream solution, this dream where certain things will happen. I, I know when I started this, when the place offered me the show and I started thinking about it and I was like, wow, this would be great. This would be getting me into America. You know, I could do this show. Everyone will listen. Everyone will love me. And then maybe I'll start earning loads of money and maybe then I'll get a job with the place doing this show all the time. That hasn't happened. And I'm okay with it. Because I've actually realized that what some would view as a weakness is actually my strength. It's amazing when you actually look at how different our world is. If you actually look for problems, you'll find them. But if you actually look at our world and your world individually, you'll find things that are meant to be for you. Your path is meant to be. You are where you are meant to be right now. Because why it is my strength is I don't want advertisers on this show. I used to want advertisers to make money. I'm in a situation in my personal life. I don't have any debt. I, don't, I earn just above minimum wage. I'm not rich, but I don't need anything. That, hey, guess what? If I say something controversial, and I will be, what I talk about is pretty controversial. Talking about American exceptionalism, talking about freedom, talking about individual rights, not talking parties. What I would say in D.C. would not be considered popular by either side. The great thing about doing this show, because I have no advertisers, is if I annoy someone or I tick someone off, guess what? How are you going to target me? I'm a pretty crystal clear guy. 
I have a very boring life. It's not like I'm out partying on a on a Friday and Saturday night where I'm getting drunk. It's not like <coughs> you can look into me. It's not like you can go, well, John has a dark side. I don't. I'm a pretty bland, boring guy, truth be told. I get up in the morning. I go to work. I come home. I do my research. I do other projects I'm involved in. I go to the gym a couple of times a week. I go to bed. I go to sleep. I get up the next day and I repeat. That's my life. I don't go out. Now, you may sign up bland and boring, but that's my life right now. You can't target me. You can't say, well, I'm going to target his advertisers. Can't happen. I'm saying this for two reasons. One, if you listen to this show, we're not behind any paywalls. This show is free. You don't get any advertisement. You just get me for up to an hour talking about principles. If you appreciate this show or any should show like it, please support The Blaze. Because this show is not possible without people paying for The Blaze. You know, we are capitalists. You know, I am blessed to not need money and not get paid for this. Everything I do is a volunteer. But there are people who, you know, producers who are paid for this show. The Blaze has to pay for the platforms. If you can, please support The Blaze. They're doing great work. There's a lot of voices. You know, there's a voice for everyone. If you're not a subscriber of The Blaze, please please consider checking them out. But also, because I want to talk to you about what's happening in your society right now. I will tell you how it is, or in a way, to make you think. Uh, There is no sacred cows at me. Last week, I'm going to prove it to you. Last week in my show, I think it was in segment three or four, I spoke about Tucker Carlson, where I disagreed with him on his analogy on the free market. I completely disagree with him. I don't watch Tucker too much because I don't have Fox. I've seen some Facebook videos and stuff. I don't know how much we agree on. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's 20% of the time, 30% of the time, 50% of the time, 5% of the time. It doesn't matter. What happened to him this week is outrageous. He made, if you haven't heard, he made some interviews in 2006, 2008 to a show who I have no idea who it is because I don't care about, I'm not immersed in your culture and I don't like this type of show usually. Bubba the Love Sponge, he made some comedic comments and all the media matters found them and are making them out to be an outrage and are, are going after his sponsors, after his advertisers, you know, wanting Fox to cancel his show. Do you have a right to free speech? Do we have to target everyone who disagrees with us? Do we? Is this the world we want to live in? Now, cat tip to Tucker. Because Tucker, if you didn't watch his monologue this week, I strongly encourage you to do. He did not bow down to them and he did not kowtow to those people who are forcing him or trying to force advertisers not to advertise in his show or, or trying to force Fox to cancel him. Here's an idea. Here's this, how wonderful would this idea be? Where we actually have a conversation about things we disagree on and let people decide who wins and who loses. This idea that, you know, we have this situation where, oh, well, if I don't agree with you and I don't think I can beat you, I want to silence you. You're seeing this happen right now. You're seeing this and it's been happening a very long time. We need to have this conversation because the left, as they're going more and more and more towards, hey, guess what? We're socialists. You want to know how bad the left is right now, how scary the left is? And this is not me trying to fearmonger you. That's not my job. But when Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, 
the guy who in the Senate, who I actually give some respect to, because he is who he says he is, who actually had the balls when it came for a bill, I think it was in 2014, to go, hey, we want Medicare for all. One person signed it, and that was Bernie Sanders. Now, pretty much everyone who's running for the Democratic Party in 2016, or sorry, not 2016, jeez, it's John, it's 2019, wake up. 2020 is signing it. Bernie Sanders, that guy, the guy who has been, you know what, I'm not really a Democrat, I'm a, I'm a socialist, baby, all his life, is, quote, and I to say this, is not socialist enough, according to some people who are running. That should frighten the ever-living hell out of you. When Bernie Sanders is, quote, not socialist enough, you may want to consider, wow, what world are we living in? But we need to actually defeat ideas. I don't want to silence Bernie Sanders. I don't want to silence Kamala Harris. But we need to have a conversation about how, who decides where your rights are. Do you have a fundamental right to free speech? I'm going to test how much you feel, how much you support it. Because right now I'd say a lot of people go, yeah, of course you have a right to free speech. Let me bring you back over to the United Kingdom. I want to share two stories with you. Now, full disclosure, I'm going to say this several times because I don't want anyone thinking I'm defending these guys or what these people said is a good idea. I think both of these stories, they're idiots. They're morons. They are really bad people. I'm not going to go drinking with these people. Heck, I'm not even going to associate with these people. That's how bad I think these are. Story one is from a couple of weeks ago, and I I think I may have shared it on the air. But it's about soccer. And basically, this kid... Signed for a new team called Cardiff City. He played, it's a Welsh team. And long story short, basically he was on a charter jet and the, the plane went down in the English Channel. In case you don't know geography, that's basically between England and France. Plane went down and he died. Well, as you can imagine, a young player, loads of potential. You know, the story was heartbreaking. You know, you see all this and then there was a lot of other stories involved as well, which I won't bore you with. But it was heartbreaking. You're seeing this young person die, and it was so tragic. Well, at one of their next matches, a team called Southampton, which is an English team, part of the crowd says, you know what would be really good as we're playing Cardiff City? Yeah, I know you're all upset, and you're all wearing black armbands, and you have your minute of silence. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to put our arms out, pretend to be planes, and go, boom. That's story one. Story two is there was a teenager. There's a team in England called Huddersfield Town. And there's a midfielder who plays for him, them called Philip Billing. And basically, Philip apparently, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, did not have a good game this week. In fact, he played pretty poorly. And one person who supports Huddersfield Town was really angry. Because you know how we, you know we all do this. Like... There's certain levels that we do, like when the Yankees don't play well, and the you know when Aaron Judge strikes out or whatever happens, you're like, oh come on, man. But then the game ends. You know, you're like, oh Yankees lost. Oh it sucks. Actually, the Yankees don't lose because the Yankees are awesome. It's like the Giants. Like this week, they traded Odell Beckham, their best wide receiver. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? But I don't let it affect my life. It's like that was stupid. I think you're wrong. I think you're all a bunch of idiots, or something must have happened behind the scenes. But I get on with my life. This guy, this 16-year-old said, you know what, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send him a private message. And he said, and I quote, I never want to see you in a town kid ever again. You useless wannabe. 
Uh, his color is not white, and uh, you know his his uh, the animal is uh, what you call the 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 uh, the Republican animal. I don't know if I can say this on air. That's why I've been very careful. End quote. That was the message. Do you defend those comments? Do I defend the people in the stands, you know, making airplane noises after a plane went down where someone died? No. I think you're an idiot. And that's me being polite. You can you can amp those words up 10 or 20 fold and you'll still be very accurate. I'm just not saying them on the air. I think you're scum. Especially in public. You know, if you're so motivated for your team to win that you have lost all humanization of someone dying, then I don't know what I can say to you. Likewise, if someone has a really bad game, we all have bad days in work. It happens. I do bad shows. It happens. You just try and, you know, not have it repeat and yet you go out the next game or the next show or your next day in work and you get better. We're not all robots. We're not perfect. If you decide when you see someone and that you your response is to send them messages and to kind of use racist language, I think you're an idiot. This is a 16-year-old boy. What happened in both of those cases? Well, both sets of teams, sorry, both sets of people got arrested because both are classed as hate speech. What's the solution? Do you believe people have a right to free speech? Do you have believe people have a right to be idiots? Do you believe people have a right to say anything they want or should it be controlled that they can say anything they want once it doesn't offend anyone where do you stand look i'm not going to sit i'm not condoning or can or saying tucker was right 10 12 years ago there is a lesson if you're actually in media here's the lesson you have to be careful if you're ever giving an interview no matter how irrelevant it is even if you think it's a more comedic show be careful what you say That's the lesson for everyone in media. But on a deeper note, do I defend him? Do I support his comments? I don't know. I haven't even read all the comments. Would I make some of the comments I've seen? No. But then again, I am, you know, milquetoast when it comes to certain language. But do I defend? Do I think he should be taken off the air? Hell no. More voices, not less. The idea that you're targeting him and outraged by Tucker Carlson with all the issues we have to deal with right now shows me who you really are. You know, you just take one look around at the world. Just look at the world. A quick snapshot. Two planes went down over the last couple of weeks. Venezuelan people are starving. They have no power. Their socialist country, their socialist utopia, which everyone pointed out to be an example of greatness, is failing. The water is black. And I don't mean there's a bit of dirt in it. I mean it looks like oil. Debt around the world is exploding. The US government is back borrowing a trillion dollars of debt of debt a year. There is no fears New York City could go bankrupt because it spent so much money. There's a pension crisis. North Korea all of a sudden is back, you know, it, we're not sure about this, but we can't verify it, but it looks like it's starting to build up its ammunition program again. It started, it's starting to, it went back to one of its nuclear sites. Its second one it's going back, looks, could potentially go back to being active. That's the issue you want to talk about? 
There is crazy things going on in the world right now. And people want to be outraged by Tucker Carlson and comments he made 12 years ago. Tucker, I stand with you. Kudos to you. I tip my hat to you. We don't probably agree on very much. But the way you responded, fair play to you. I respect that. And I stand with you. I don't want you silenced. I will stand with anyone. I don't care whether you're left or right. I will stand with anyone on their right to free speech. And a prime example of this is someone I have done this to many times on this show and many times you know, publicly on, on social media. Bill Maher. Anytime Bill Maher says something stupid, who's the one person who defends him in my friend group? Me. And people are going, John, he hates people like you. My loyalty, my steward, my decision to be a steward of people's rights is not reliant on whether you like me or not, whether we're going to be friends or not. It is on the God-given right. You have a right to free speech. On the gun issue and on this issue, here's what we need to actually have conversations about. We need to actually have conversations about the solutions. How do you stop people saying racist things? How do you stop people saying stupid things? How do we do it? Because racism is still existing in certain forms, especially around the world. Especially some of the stories I've seen in football games. Some of the stuff, you know, people of color have had to deal with is wrong. You've had to deal with this in America as well. Like Jackie Robinson was a hero. But how did Jackie Robinson deal with it? There's a story for you to go research. How did Jackie Robinson deal with it? How did Jackie Robinson win? And how is it that we today remember Jackie Robinson every year? We'll never, ever stop people saying, you know what? I don't like you because of your color, because of your race, because you know what? And it will happen to me eventually. People go, I don't like you because you're a Christian. Okay, that's your choice. I'm not going to silence you even if you, you know, decide, hey, I'm an artiste and I want to put the, you know, the crucifix with Jesus in a, in a battle of Urina. I'm not going to stop you. I think you're an idiot. I think you're a moron, but you have a right to do it. It's about rights. How do we solve this? Have you ever seen a solution, especially when it comes to speech, of, hey, you know what? We're going to remove this hate and how we're going to do it is by shutting everyone up. Or do we actually want more voices and not less? Because when people say stupid things, there will be people like me on certain occasions and people like others at the blaze and other organizations like the Daily Wire who will call them out and say, hey, this is why you're wrong. This is why racism is wrong. We are living in a world that is upside down and inside out right now. But I actually believe we're close to winning. Or we're close to an opportunity to win at the very least. Because everyone right now says the world doesn't make sense. Now is the time to share freedom. We have major problems. But there is not one problem we face right now that your founding principles cannot solve. We just need to actually believe in them and start living them and start promoting them. Because we need to actually start living them. I had a conversation, I don't know whether I shared this with you last week, uh, sorry, about two weeks ago, when I was in Texas. Jeez, I'm back over two weeks, that's so sad, I miss, it feels like I'm back from Texas like a month or a year, it feels like so long ago, but when I was in Texas, I had a conversation, and it was with someone who isn't a believer, isn't a Christian, does, believes in a power, but, you know, doesn't believe in Jesus, or doesn't believe in God, doesn't know what that power is, 
And he was talking to me about, you know, my biggest problem with Christians is, you know, you're all great at talking and, you know, thumping your Bible. But when it comes to living the life, you, you kind of suck at it. I went, I absolutely agree. We need to be better stewards. We need to be better believers. We need to come together better. But the same is true for freedom. We need to start living our principles and understanding that sometimes freedom really sucks. Sometimes freedom will hurt you. But that doesn't make the principles wrong. That just means life and humans have made them bad. That sometimes scenarios won't go the right way. But the principles are still right. The principles are still true. The principles of freedom are not supposed to be for your convenience. It's not a trail mix where you can go, oh, I like the raisin, I like the peanut, but you know all the coconut and all that? Yeah, I don't want that. That's not freedom. It's like, hey, all or nothing, baby. Because that's what the principles are. And this show, as long as I have a breath, as long as I am blessed to be part of the blaze, to talk to you every Saturday or whenever you all listen, I will talk to you about principles. Because I believe in your principles. I believe your principles will win again. We just have to make them cool. And we need to actually break down the issues. And that is what I'm going to continue doing and try to keep be- get better at doing each and every week. If this is a journey you want to join me on, even if you disagree with me, please share this show. I cannot do it without you. Share it with a family and a friend. It's free. We're not behind any paywalls. It's available. Every platform, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, OmniFM, Player FM, you name it, we're there by Freedom's Disciple. We finish this show the way we finish each and every week. It's by saluting the real heroes in society, not media matters, not, you know, liberal people, not politicians, but by saluting people who actually do something 24-7 for a brighter tomorrow. Your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. I echo the sentiments of Tocqueville. And hey, I may not be French, but I am Irish. Hey, Irish is better. Ireland kicks France ass all the time. Hey, I echo his sentiments. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday, you have a beautiful and blessed week, America. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.